Well, it's good to be together this morning. I love our combined worship services. I love when we get to be together all in one service. It's just got a great spirit to it. I'm thankful for your spirit as we come together and worship this morning. A uh, quick question as we begin this morning. Uh, do you ever wonder what kind of church this is? Do you ever wonder what kind of church this place is? Maybe you are brand new or fairly new. Maybe this is your first Sunday. Maybe you've been coming for a handful of weeks and you're saying, okay, there's some things I like, there's some things that I don't like. But before I make a commitment to this church, I really need to know what kind of looking and hearing what's out there. You kind of wonder how that's going to impact what's in here. And so you come to church and you wonder, what kind of place is this? The simplest answer that I can give you, the simplest answer that I, that I can share with you this morning is that it is my hope, it is my prayer, it is my calling, it is, my, it, it, it is everything that I have, that the answer to the question, what kind of church is this, that the answer to that question is, it is a biblical church. That, that's, that, that, that's who we want to be. We, we, we want to be a church that's rooted and founded on the Word of God. But I think you can really provide a follow-up question and say, okay, you're going to be a biblical church, but what kind of church is a biblical church? What does a biblical church look like? It's a really good question, and I think it's a, a great question for us to think about as we come here on a combined worship Sunday to kind of think about what kind of church are we as Woodland Park Baptist Church. Not too long ago, I was reading in the book of Romans, and I came across a passage of Scripture, and as I looked at it and I read it, it resonated inside of me, and I said, now that is the kind of church we're supposed to be. That's the kind of church, that's what it means to be a biblical church. Now, you remember the book of Romans. It's one of the biggest letters, one of the biggest books in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul. In fact, it's his longest of all of the letters that Paul writes. It is the most important because it is the most theological book that he writes, letter that he writes. He, he, he kind of starts with the basic building blocks of the whole story of God, and he unfolds it all the way through, and then he unpacks this is what it looks like in life. Because it's his longest, it's his most theological, it's his most ordered. And if you really needed to just read one place to understand what the whole story of God through Christ is, the book of Romans is the place to do that. It's really important because it is written to the church that was in the most influential city of the world. And so what Paul wrote to that, I think there's a, it's not a coincidence that he put his most formed and finished words and, and, and developed theology that he delivered that to the most influential city that was in the world in that day. And so Romans is this incredible book, but before he gets into all of the theology, before he gets into all of the foundation, before he gets into all of the pieces, Paul says, hello. And that's where I want to look this morning. Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, 
called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that it'll be your voice that we hear this morning. Lord, I pray that it would speak into our lives and that it would resonate deeply. Lord, I pray that in the places that this is consistent with us already, that we would say yes. And in the places where we have not fully filled this out, we would say yes, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Down the street from my house, they're, they're building a new house. Now, my neighborhood is a fairly well-developed. In fact, there, there's just one lot left, and, and they started building the new house. And so it just really kind of caught our attention because it's a dead end that I drive into every single day, and all of a sudden, there's going to be a house where there wasn't a house before. And so it really kind of caught our attention because we've wondered for a long time, what's going to happen to that lot? Probably nothing's going to happen to that lot. They're building a house on that lot. Now here's the thing that struck me. Right now you can drive by there and they ran some string and they put together some boards to, to set the foundation. And I thought about it. Everything that's going to happen in that house starts with those boards and it starts with that ball of string. In fact, I thought about my house. The shape that is in my house is because of that ball of string. The size of my house was that ball of string. I wish they'd had a bigger ball of string. <laughs> Everything about that place starts with a ball of string and says, here is where it goes. I would tell you that these opening verses to the book of Romans is the ball of string for our church. Everything that we do, all the shape of our church, the answer to what kind of church we're supposed to be is in the ball of string that's in Romans 1, 1 through 7. Very quickly, I want to just kind of highlight some of these things for us this morning. Uh, the first thing I want you to know is that a biblical church is rooted in truth. A biblical church is rooted in truth. Remember I said that before Paul gets into all the theology, before he gets into all the, the, the things that he's going to lay out, all the issues that he's going to address with the church in Rome, what he does is he says, hello. You see it right there in verse 1. He says, Paul. He says, this is who I am. This is my name, Paul. Now, I don't know what Paul would have done if he'd come to Woodland Park on, on, on name tag Sunday. 
Because he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which is promised beforehand through the prophets and the holy scriptures according to his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh, who is declared to be the son of God, in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. If you were sitting at the name tag desk, you would say, so Paul, right? I imagine Paul at a party. Who are you? He gives you the whole shebang. You see, Paul understood that his identity, who he was, was wrapped in the truth of God that had been revealed through Scripture. And in fact, we can kind of run through this like I just did. But we also could take six months and study every single phrase that Paul speaks in there. Because he says, my name is Paul. And this is who I am based on what God has revealed. This is God's son. This is God's work. This is God's spirit. This is God's redeeming. This is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. All of those things. And so Paul says, this is who I am. And it is built on the revealed truth of Scripture and the Word of God and the revealing of what's true in that rock. And let me tell you, for our church to be an effective, right church, to be a biblical church, it needs to be rooted on that same Word of God. And when you come into our church, when you visit our church, when you leave our church, when you hear the music of our church, when you hear the preaching of our church, when you hear the teaching of our church, when you hear the priorities of our church, when you hear the goals of our church, it is to measure up as much as possible to the Word of God as we possibly know how. Now, the truth is, every once in a while, we'll have some blind spots, and we won't quite get it right. It'll be our prayer that God will reveal those places that are blind and he will show us the truth through his word so that we can change and line up our church to become the most biblical church that we possibly can. In fact, when we talk about discipleship, we talk about being a follower of Jesus, we talk about the people who joyfully pursue the patterns, priorities, and purpose of Jesus. That says what we want to do, what we want you to do, what we want our church to do is to line up our habits, our activities, our pursuits, our dreams to match up with what God reveals to be his purpose, priorities, and his patterns. And so while that's a long introduction from Paul, a church, a biblical church, needs to have those kinds of roots. We exist because of what God has revealed to us through his word. I would also tell you that a biblical church, oh, hear me, a biblical church sees people the same way Jesus sees them. A biblical church sees people the same way that Jesus sees them. Paul has introduced himself took seven verses to introduce himself. That's how you know he was a preacher. Six verses. And now he says, to those in Rome who are loved by God 
and called to be saints. That's how Paul saw every person in Rome. That's how Paul saw every person that he ever came in contact with. That is who Paul saw every person that he passed on the road, every person that walked with him, every person that was in a church, every person that arrested him and abused him and persecuted him. Every person that was from back home and every person that was from a place he'd never heard of, every person that looked like him and every person that looked completely different from him, every person who had a godly lifestyle, every person who had an ungodly lifestyle, Paul saw every single one of them and says, you are loved by God and you are called to be a saint. Practically, I, I don't know how to do it. But I would like a person standing in that foyer every single Sunday till Jesus comes back and says to every single person that walks in that door, you are loved by God. 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 And it better be true that the things that God loves, the people that God loves, that we love them. Man, it doesn't matter what their story is. If they've got breath, if they've got a pulse, if they've got a brain wave, if they've got two out of three, they are loved by God. And they better well be loved by us. Let me tell you, that sets a church apart. We also need to see people like Jesus sees them because not only are they loved by God just as they are, but they're also called to be a saint. Now, Sometimes saints is a, is a word that, well, we use it for football teams. Uh, some people use saints for the first name of a church. But, but, but a saint means one who is holy. But, it, but even deeper than that, it means one who is set apart. It means one who is different. And really what Paul is saying is he is saying two things at the same time. You are loved by God. And you are called to be different because of Jesus inside of you. You got to hear the first one before you can hear the second one. And so to every person who walks in these doors, to every person who drives by on that interstate, I want them to know Every person who comes by on Fagan, you are loved by God and therefore loved by me and by this church. But I also want every single person who comes in this door say you are called to be set apart, to be different because of Jesus inside of you. He loves you right where you are but he wants to move you so that you're standing next to Jesus. He wants to move you so that Jesus is inside of you and that you are radiating 
Jesus. And again, no matter who you are, where you've been, what your story is, you are not disqualified from the love of God. Can you hear that? No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what your story is, and no matter what anyone else thinks about you, you are not disqualified from the love of God. It's true. You are loved by God. But at the same time, no matter who you are, where you've been, or what other people think about you, you are not disqualified from being one of his saints that are set apart and different because the alive working of Jesus inside of you. You are loved and you are called to be different because of Jesus inside of you. That's how Jesus saw every single person that he met. They're loved by God and called to be a saint. And then the last thing that it says in verse 7, it says, grace to you and peace from God. You've probably heard this before, but, but Paul is a great and famous letter writer. And in many ways, Paul just adapts the style of writing that everyone else does. You know, you know how to write a letter, you know how to write an email, you know how to write a text, you know that those are different. You know, you don't write letters like you write texts and texts like you write, they're all different. There's a style that goes into that. Paul knew the style of how to write a letter in the first century. And part of that style is you put your name up front. It's the return address. Paul. But then the second thing is you greet people and you say peace. And you give people peace. Paul says, ah, I like that. That's what he does. He writes peace. But Paul does something as far as we know that no one else had done before. He has the word grace in front of peace. And so he writes a letter. He writes it like everybody else does. How you doing? basically the same thing as peace but in front of that he says grace and peace man what do we do as a church we unload as many truckloads of grace and peace as we possibly can I want every person who comes into this church to know that they are loved by God and they are called to be a saint and I want every person that leaves this church to smell like they've been swimming in grace and peace. You know how hard it is to find grace and peace? Well, we're frustrated in these days. We're disturbed in these days. We go to the grocery store and things that we love and that we care about, things that we need are missing from the shelves. Where is it? Man, you haven't heard a news story about it. But this world is short on grace and peace. You know where you find it? From the people of God who are loved by God and called to be saints. So if there's a problem with the supply chain in this world, when it comes to grace and peace, it's because his people haven't been delivering the truckloads of grace and peace 
that we're supposed to deliver. What kind of church is this? We're a church that's rooted on the truth. We're a church that wants to see people the exact same way that Jesus saw them. Man, and we want the word on the street to be, if you need grace, and if you need peace, they got some over at Woodland Park. They got some over there. We didn't invent it. We don't make it. But it's been delivered to us. So Paul says, this is who I am. This is what I believe. Now let me talk to you who are loved by God and called to be a saint. And he backs up a semi-truck and he pours grace and peace over them.